Hello, and welcome back to the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdis, and Ken and I are in studio alone today. Andrew is a little bit under the weather, so uh, hi, Ken. Hello, Steve. And to Andrew, we say we hope you're feeling better soon. Absolutely. We'd like to have him back, so he'll be back with us next time we record. But, um, you know, Ken, I'm really struck by our last podcast. Uh, It was out of, of course, we're continuing in the Beatitudes here, uh, Jesus' words to the body, Jesus' word to man words to mankind and this notion of the Beatitudes. And the particular Beatitude we talked about last time was in regard to the notion of persecution. And um, Ken, why don't you read, you know, well, let's take 10, 11, and 12 sure. as a refresher. I don't necessarily see this as part two, but maybe it is a, con- I mean, it's certainly a continuation. I just feel like the topic of persecution is something that's becoming more and more prevalent and I think there are reasons for it. But, you know, it's funny. I, I've talked to a couple of guys, and it's always easy to point out the problem in any of life's circumstances. It's much harder to come up with a solution. Absolutely. And I'd like to talk about, you know, the problem, but also, you know, address from our perspective as a couple of lay guys, what is the answer? What is the solution? Because it does feel a whole lot, Ken, I think you would agree, it feels like we're all bloody in our heads. You know, it's this banging, banging, banging. How can we get this to work better? You know, this thing called faith. And of course, our admonishment to all that are listening is we really want, we're driven by a desire to see all of us collectively as men and women or children or teenagers, college kids, whoever may be listening to this, to walk in a more provocatively, wonderfully transformed relationship with Christ. Me, Ken, Andrew, and anyone listening, anyone listening to this podcast, our heart is to see us all collectively dig into a deeper place, a more transformative relationship with Christ. Amen. Amen. I can't Amen. know that could be stated better. So let's talk about this. Amen. Go ahead and read that scripture, Ken, if you would. Absolutely. Starting at uh, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Mm. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm. So this level of persecution, we would have to say, is the clinical (laughs) Right, it's really the theological, it is really the most accurate. It came right from the words of Jesus. When we are persecuted and falsely accused of all kinds of evil against, uh, because of him, that is the right kind of persecution. But Ken, what do you, I mean, I think we, we talked a little bit before the podcast, obviously, we prepare for this. There are other forms of persecution that may be just, there are, I think, Steve, when we look at that whole subject of persecution, we have to figure out, is the persecution I am receiving or perceiving at this point, mm-hmm. is it because of something I have said or done that clearly demonstrates that I'm not walking in accordance with Scripture. That very thing. That exactly. Hypocrisy. I, I, am I exhibiting hypocrisy? Yeah. yeah. Am I showing the world 
a hypocritical Christian that you know talks one way but lives another way. So I I would kind of put that in a category of am I committing an act of commission, if you will? Am I doing something tangible that is counter to what I profess to to believe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise. On the other hand, is or am I being persecuted falsely? Mm-hmm. Am I am I being accused of living in accordance with what I believe, but you know somehow that's offensive to someone else? And I think, and that these, latter is what these two beatitudes cover both of those. Uh, extremes if you will and yeah. you know our reward is for really being a true follower of jesus and living and walking in his way in his path mm-hmm. and having the world not be comfortable with that and want to lash out and reject me and persecute me because of that and that is the stripe or the scar that i should be willing to bear gladly and to yes, yeah. rejoice it well you know that that is called from my perspective conviction and because of pride you know many of us don't want to hear the truth the truth is painful because it requires of us to lay down whatever disposition we wish to otherwise have in order to be on the side of right so that you're, you're right that form of persecution if we're rightly persecuted, it's because we're walking in light of the truth. And that persecution brings great conviction to the evil one and to the evilness of the world. You know, we, we're told in Scripture that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right. but it's against principalities and spirits in high places. This is a war on a spiritual level, a battle for the soul of us as human beings, for the very spirit of who we are. And God created us in his image and he expects and ultimately desires for us to walk in light of that image. And when we don't, uh, we may fall under just persecution. Um, and that persecution would be judgment that is probably rightly assigned to those of us that are not walking in it. You know, it, it is amazing to me that the church, and I'm again, I've said this before and we've talked about it on the podcast, but it really does bear repeating because it falls in line with what is the what the the church is falling headlong into this there is a righteous persecution and there is a just persecution and i think there is a lot of just persecution the church is no longer relevant in the community at large and i don't just mean here in st louis but i mean nationally globally the church is falling headlong into persecution much of which from my perspective is justified much of which is not uh, the the part that is not is the part that brings the world conviction that it doesn't want to hear. When we're walking in light of the truth that we profess, that level of persecution is one that is rewarded because we're willing to be persecuted for his namesake, even as it said in Scripture here. Just to reiterate, it says, because great is your reward in heaven when you're persecuted for all kinds of evil against you because of me. So me being Jesus saying these words, that is going to be rewarded. But the other should bring us conviction. 
you know, Ken and I read a, an article uh, that we found online that was from um, uh, Christianity Today. I think it was, was where the article was based out of. And it's, it refers to, and I think it's worth talking about this just a little bit. The article was from 2021, apparently shortly after the January 6th um, riots in Washington, um, the Capitol incident that occurred. But um, the the article, let's see, where was the name of the article here, Ken? Um, not the article, but the book that it referred to. Um, oh, uh, I think it's see. called Being the Bad Guys, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't. Oh, yeah. And it was written by an Australian pastor and blogger named Stephen McAlpine, mm, just that's to give, right. give Thank credit. You. Yeah, so. To give credit where credit's due. So we're going to talk about this just a little bit. But it does say, I want to read a paragraph out of here that's, I think, particularly pertinent. I wonder if I should begin with, um, let's see, shuffling through my papers here a little bit. About, sorry about that, audience. But um, uh, let's see. Where, where do you want to begin here, Ken? What's a good piece to start with? Um, well, I think that opening paragraph actually has something to uh, to say to us, and it says, contemporary Western culture finds itself mm, curiously yes. split on the question of moral absolutes. On the one hand, in the golden age of prestige TV, we pride ourselves on the moral complexity of our stories, mm. the flawed protagonist, the tortured hero, the sympathetic villain. Using the tools of psychology and sociology, we do our best to understand what has gone wrong for those who do wrong, and we accept, more or less, that we're all damaged, striving people. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it goes on to say, on the other hand, we seem to define more rigidly every day the boundaries of what is acceptable. In the process of cheerfully consigning larger and larger swaths of our fellow citizens to the no-man's land, Beyond the cultural pale, boy, that does that wow. seem to be the truth? Yeah, that does seem to be I the mean, truth. You look at what's going on today. It's it's we've redefined everything. What was is no longer. What is is the new norm, and it, it's really up to the church to be the standard bearer. And you know, guess what? You and I, Ken, and beyond, are the church. The church isn't the four walls. It's not the roof or the steeple right. or the pews or the altar. It's you and I, God presides or desides, desires to preside in our heart and rule over us. And to the degree that we're not allowing him to experience rulership, we're going to experience chaos. Uh, you know, I, I've heard I've heard guys say that, but isn't the church a hospital? Isn't it for the sick? You know, aren't we, uh, as broken human beings, isn't there a tolerance for it? I said, yeah, but a hospital, my response was, I think I told you this earlier, the hospital turns you away in most cases, are preferably healed. In other words, we don't go in the hospital and stay sick. We go to the hospital to get well. For healing. For right. healing. And mm -hmm. if the church is the hospital for the faithless to become faithful and to become productive in their, in the, and fruitful in their faith, are we effectively getting that done? And I'm not blaming pulpits for this, although there are pulpits that are to blame. We're all familiar with the Bonhoeffer story. We've talked about that a little bit before, that story of the, the pastor in Germany who was willing to have a voice against what was going on under Hitler's reign. And others did not want to go that direction. They wanted to stay biblically accurate and truthful, but not 
pay any attention to what was happening socially. The point I would make, of course, is if we don't pay attention to where and what our behavior is as believers, whether we're really subscribing to and allowing it to filter through and in our lives to a level of change, are we really doing what we're called to be and do? And of course, the answer is no, we're not. If we're simply giving lip service to it, uh, then we have to challenge whether or not we're what he's called us to be. And this scripture clearly says that if we're suffering persecution for his namesake, in other words, if we're living a life that is pure, as, as pure as we can possibly be in this life, in a fallen world, that's the kind of purity that's transformative for you and I, but also brings life to those who are outside of that experience. Right. And going back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer and what he wrote, you know, the the big point with his message, if you will, was that the the German church at large was basically falling asleep yeah. during Hitler's rise to power. Right. And you know, if if Dietrich Bonhoeffer just had this great moment of self-realization that he himself was in danger of falling asleep and and he chose not to to do anything about that you know how i think he would have felt he had failed the lord in a in a mighty mighty way mm-hmm. to not share that message with others and i wonder steve how many times today we might feel a moment of, you know, we realize that the culture is dragging us down. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're circling the drain, if you will. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of truth to it. And yet, because of fear of rejection by our fellow man or mm-hmm. people, people in authority, we hesitate to speak up. We, we don't want to rock the boat. We, you know, we may feel that we've <laughs> hit a state or a stage in our life where things are comfortable for us, and we don't want to risk changing that right. in a significant way. So we choose to withdraw, remain silent, not rock the boat. And we can only help that, you know, we're not going to be asked that question by Christ at the judgment day. Why didn't you speak up? Or yeah, yeah. Why didn't you defend what you knew to be right? Right. It, you know, it's it's really it's really crazy. I mean, I've had conversations you have, and we hear about them on the radio and TV and so on about how this is just you know part of prophetic uh, end times. The, what we're experiencing this this cultural de-evolution. We're in many ways, going backwards. Um, I, I feel like we're in the civil rights realm. We're we're pre um, even the '60s. I mean, we're we're in a really really dark place in a lot of areas of social interaction and social culture and so on. And you know, we can take you know the 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 view that this is part of prophecy. The world will eventually end, and so on and so forth. But 
I would think it would be worthwhile for us as the church to examine ourselves as individuals and say, where do I need to change? Where am I complicit? Uh, Where am I failing? Where am I faltering? How am I not living this life in a way that reflects the Beatitudes? You know, I I think I said last uh, on the last podcast that it seems to me that there is a buildup in the Beatitudes from 1 to 10, that all of those first nine on some level will end up leading to persecution. And that's the right kind of persecution. Right. You know, one of the things that this article says that, that Ken and I didn't push back from, but but we feel maybe a little bit different than how we would state it for the sake of this podcast. But I'll read this quote. He says, this is in regards, says, but McAlpine, his read of an increasingly post-Christian culture on on some fonts, on some fronts rather, there simply isn't going to be an honorable way about being a bad guy. The fact is that often we are accused of doing wrong because we are living too little like Jesus, and that does happen. But it, it is because we're living too much like him. In other words, that's what we should be living, too much like him. And the persecution that is appropriate will follow. But what we do with that persecution should be to soften and widen the voice of soften the heart of the persecutor and widen the voice of Jesus. Allow who we have become to be transformative to the life of that individual. And I don't think it matters what your perspective is. You know, there we we talked a little bit, Ken, before we went on that there are many types of personality. There are there are your evangelistic. You know, the Bible talks about the fivefold. Uh, pastors, teachers, preachers, evangelists, and prophets. Well, those are fivefold, and God will use uniquely the personality that we have been uh, developed into, that we have been given. Some of some of what you and I are given is supernatural in our personality, is genetic, but some of it is clearly environmental. Like, you know, you know my story. I've shared it on here before. Um, we're feeling insecure um, uh, brought me to a place of being very outward because I was a people pleaser and still struggle on some levels with that. But I think by and large it's behind me. And some of what's helped me get it behind me is continually acknowledging that it's been a problem, that it, it can be an ongoing problem, recognizing it for what it is, and then heading it off when it seems to want to rear its ugly head. But the point is, our environment may take a lot away from who we were intended to be based on messaging, behavior, parenting, sibling experiences, um, social experience, experiences, right? It, right. All, it all forms and molds us, it molds us into a reality. But that reality is not the reality that God has called us to. He has called us to no matter what our genetic, psychological, or environmental experience may have been. For those of us that know him, we are to be transformed into his image. And that will allow us to experience all that he has for us, no matter our personality profile, right? I mean, right. we can't we can't say we're all, like I, you know, Ken, we've talked about this and others have, have had this conversation with me. I am on the extreme of outgoing, right? I mean, it's just, it's just who yeah. I am. Various reasons, various causes and effects. We, we've talked about them before. We don't need to go into them. Now, but Ken is not as, right? Exactly. You're not as outgoing. No. 
And others are way less outgoing even than you are. But that does not mean that God does not want to use every one of us right where we are. And, you know, the best example of that, I, I talk about this guy a lot, maybe too much, but is uh, Nick, and I forget his last mm. name, but the ministry is Life Without Limbs. Yeah. And the point is, what I believe in every one of our lives, Ken, I think you'll agree with this resolutely, that what the devil intended for harm, God will turn around for his good, but he will only turn it around for his good to the degree that we allow him to do that. This issue of free will is an issue of free will. It's an issue of our decision and our willingness to let go and let God. I mean, that's why I lean into Galatians 2.20. No longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live on, I live by faith in the Son of God. I mean, that's a big, that's a big tall order. It's a, you know, but it's what Scripture says of us that we're to become. But what I like about Nick is God has taken his total depravity and brokenness. Remember, this guy can't do anything without the aid of another. If you don't know who it is, go to Life Beyond Limbs. I forget how to say his last name. It's a complicated last name, but... Yeah, I can't uh, recall either right off the top the life, of my head. You know, it's yeah. worthwhile for every believer to, to go and listen to him a little bit because it's very humbling. He has nothing, and God has taken that nothing and made everything made out a, of his cousin. Made such a, a mountain out of, out of, out of his, his yeah. message, yeah. Absolutely. Really. You know, go ahead, can you? For a man with no arms, no legs, it's and to see what he has done and how God has equipped him— and used him is truly inspirational. I mean, it, is. it really is. And the sad thing is, I think, Ken, were I, that, were I that person, I hope that I would rise to the occasion as he has. But I will say the beauty to Nick, he's not Jesus. He's a human like you and I. But he has gotten a hold of the marvel of God's truth, of the marvel of God's spirit. And that's the place that we want to encourage all of us, each of us, Ken and I and Andrew, Andrew's not here today, but every one of us, any of you listening, do can we marvel in the truth of God's word? Can we find our way um, into a level of victory that overcomes the evil of this world, that overcomes persecution? Persecution like we've never experienced, I believe, is coming. It's it's We're becoming unraveled, untethered, un, you know, we're... we're we're out of control as a world, and really, especially, this seems like this country wrestles with, and I could be because God's hand is on this nation, that we're becoming unraveled in a way that becomes a bit of a laughing stock. I think, around the world. The things that we battle with, the things that we battle over, the disagreements, the the, uh, the, the factions and the, and the fracturing of our society, it seems to be that all eyes are on us, and as we go, the world may go. Yeah, things that once seemed simple and didn't gather a second thought from us. I hate to say it, but as recently as perhaps just a few short years ago are now matters of great philosophical debate, if you will, sexuality, gender, uh, you know, it's just, Oh my goodness. It's so sad. It's, it's crazy to think where we have, come from and where we are now and where we may be headed to. I, I, I don't know, but you know, Lord will, will shepherd us through this time. And I guess our ultimate answers are going to be found in him and, and through him 
because it it appears to me anyway, Steve, I don't want to speak for you, but we as a collective society don't seem to be able to come up with the right answers. There's yeah, such a... Certainly as a collective society, we don't. Yeah. But you and I as a church, we have the answer. Yeah. The question is, are we willing to embrace it? I feel like what's happening, Ken, is that these are groanings, inner, inner, inner core groanings. Humanity is crying out to the body for for relief. Now, you know, the devil is at work for sure, sure. and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And as I said just a few minutes ago, Scripture says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So there are things going on in the spirit realm that are way, way beyond our ability to understand or even rationalize. I mean, this is a this is a battle for the soul of the human being, the spirit, right. that we be made one once again with Christ. But I feel like the world really is, in a way, crying out for an answer. The church has the answer. You and I are the church. But, you know, as long as we walk in hypocrisy and just persecution, a persecution that might be as a result of claiming something that we ourselves are not walking in. If if the church does not come clean and live clean, you know, it says he's coming back for an un for a for a spotless church. That's a big tall order. That's a yeah. big glass that's a big drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> a a purified church. So if that's what he's coming back for, then it would behoove us as Christians to walk toward that. To walk toward the light. I I heard somebody say recently that um the darker that it becomes in society, and this makes sense, really think about this, the darker that it becomes in darkness, the the more darkness they have, the brighter the light has to be that cuts through that darkness. Because otherwise darkness overcomes. Th- think of heavy smoke. You know, if you have a, if you have a flashlight, the, the smoke gets thicker and thicker and thicker. What has to happen with that light? It has to become brighter and brighter and brighter. I don't remember where I heard it, I heard it recently, so I'm, I'm taking some, I'm plagiarizing unintentionally, but this gentleman said, as darkness becomes greater and greater and greater and greater, so does the light have to become brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And guess who has the light? Yeah. I mean, it's you and I. I just thought of who it was. It was Jonathan Kahn. Mm. Um, he's a, a, do you know who that is? Yes. Yeah, he was uh, talking a bit pro, pro, uh, prophetically about what's coming for the world. And he talked about the fall of the United States. I suddenly remember quite clearly, but but it began with abortion and has moved into transgenderism and has gone into the, the, the breaking down of the family. These three things, he was basically giving a, uh, a warning to this country that if we don't get back on our footing, the, the footing we were found on, not just Christian, you know, national uh, acclaim, but individually, if we don't gather a storm around our faith and really see this for what it is, he's almost saying that we, we will deserve what we get. If, if the nation stumbles and falls and crumbles, we may receive what we have ultimately sown into. And and I think it's really troubling in the West. I think you would agree. The more that prosperity grips a people, grips an individual, the less likely we are to pursue 
the things of God. Because guess what? I don't need him. My bank account's full. I'm, I'm not speaking for me. I'm just saying in general. Uh, my refrigerator's full. You know, the, the uh, pantry is full. The dry goods, the wet goods, whatever, you know, whatever, however you want to define it. Um, we tend to walk away from God. If you look at the Old Testament, we've said this on the podcast before as well, but it bears repeating. Throughout the Old Testament, when there was a lack of personal uh, risk, or, or comfort, comfort, yeah, we tended to cry out to God. But when there was a, uh, I'm sorry, when there was a lack of comfort, we call out to God. But when there was an abundance of comfort, we tended to abandon God. And so persecution can be seen as a very, very powerful thing if we can see it for what it is. You know, when my, Ken, you've certainly had a wound or you've had an, uh, an ongoing, you know, um, ache or, you know, you just had surgery. Mm-hmm. Why did you go get surgery? I needed to have a body part replaced. Yeah. <laughs> a, a hip was uh, no longer functioning. So. Yeah, and it was yeah. bringing there was it pain. was bringing pain. So yeah. you 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 brought attention to the pain. You took care of the pain, and really, the world is crying out to us. I think Ken and saying we're we're hurting. Does anybody have any solution? Does anybody care? Is anyone going to take up the cause? And so I think it behooves us. Let's let's talk about some more of this. Anything else in this article that was worth? There were some other quotables in here that were good. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah. So it's it's while you're looking there, Ken. I'll yeah. just you know fill this little. I think there was a a paragraph here I had noted, Steve, that said, uh, "If we are focused on Jesus, then we will not become self entitled or embittered Christians." who play the victim card and get angry when society pushes against us. Oh, yeah. We will instead be filled with joy when we don't join in the cheers when our cultural enemies lose a battle or when we don't shout angrily at them when they win a battle. It will only be because Jesus is our hope and joy, and he is our example of what it looks like to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly and wow. that's kind of based on first peter two twenty three. Mm. so wow well, read, think read that would you find that scripture while you're sure. doing that that's first yeah. peter two twenty three. again this is out of this yeah. this um christianity today article that we're reading i want to it bears repeating so i'm going to repeat it in my voice if we are focused on jesus then we will not become self-entitled and that self-entitlement's a big deal do we live for Christ, for our personal gain, or for his glorification? And, boy, that's a great question as well, isn't it? Yep. Too many, too many people. Go ahead. First Peter 2.23, Steve says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Wow. Wow. Yep. And the hymn they're referring to is Jesus? Is, is God. Yeah, is yeah. God. I mean, when and, the... And, and, and Jesus, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's referring wow. To Jesus and, yeah, so he had, he had his eye was on the greater glory. Exactly. Fulfilling the, the Father's mission. Yeah. yeah, and if that could just be us. But think how many of us, you know, regarding this article, feel self-entitled. Really. I mean, think yeah. about it. That goes to your comment about pride and sin. The, exactly. In the center of both of those yeah. is the letter I, me. What's in this for me? Too often we enter so much of this. 
you know, I, I shared with, with a pastor on Saturday, I had coffee with uh, a, a gentleman from Grace, and uh, I made the comment that it seems to be that most people, most people enter the church looking for what's in it for them. And I really think it's true, and I'm, I'm not, that's, uh, that includes me. In the early days of my faith, I was like, okay, so what, what do I get for joining the club? What are my club membership benefits? And we don't do that necessarily outwardly as I just stated it, but it's a very subtle thing. And I think that's the reason most people come in the church and walk away disappointed because they're making the relationship with the church or with the Lord or with the, or with the community of believers about what's in it for them. I've, I've personally discovered that that doesn't lead me anywhere. I was myself that I, I came in looking for what's in this for me, very selfish, very immature attitude. But when I began to turn that around, recognizing the dead end to self-fulfillment, when I began to, to focus on the need of a Ken, Ken drilling across the, the table from here, or Andrew Platts or any, you put any name in there. I found fulfillment. Well, two things happened Ken. My issues became minimized. And my ability to serve in a way that would stand in the gap for them was multiplied in the benefit of feeling rich for helping another. Mm -hmm. So dying to self and living to the Lord and others was really the answer, and that's what Scripture is speaking to. That's what Jesus is talking to in the Beatitudes. It's all about the Lord and others. Like you said, what was the phrase you opened with? Love God and honor God, honor God and, and love, love people. people. Yeah, I mean, can you think of about you, you? Certainly have some examples in your own life. I mean, not that I want to put you on the spot, but where you felt down about something, but going to serve, going to pour yourself out into an, into another, <clears throat> minimized you. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, without giving a specific example, I mean the the concept is so. Now, having been a believer for, you know, 20 years, it's, it's very apparent. It wasn't previously. Yeah. It was more, it, you know, I tended to view life through the lens of I, 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 and me, 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 and what, what's in it for me, just like you said, Steve. But becoming a, a follower of Christ has opened my eyes to the fact that to become more like Jesus and less like myself is what I'm striving for. And in that pursuit, you know, if I encounter rejection or persecution, so be it. I mean, uh, I'm okay with that. You know, we, we can't not accept the challenge and the Lord will equip us and give us the strength that we need to withstand that persecution Mm. to the extent that we invite him to fill us up with his strength. And the way he does that is that we empty ourselves of ourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We're, we're often, this article refers to us from the outside world being the bad guys. You know, we we are the standard bearers. We're the we're the kind of the the uh, the has beens, the yesteryears. The you know, you remember the word pansies? We're kind of yeah. pansies for being. Oh, they got this crutch. I I I I know a fellow that says, 
your Christianity is no more than a crutch. And I will right away say you are absolutely right because I cannot do this alone. And I was never intended to do it alone. So I accept that banner. If you want to call me a weak-minded human being, I'll take it because I'm, I want to be strong in spirit. But I want to lean not on my understanding. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge him. And the Bible says he will direct my paths. But, you know, this notion, some people don't want to be the bad guy. But in this article, you know, so I'll read this. It says, this book isn't about how to stop being the bad guy. It's about how to be the best bad guy you can be. <laughs> mm. It says, to refuse to be surprised, confused, despairing, or mad about it. And to find a way to be calm, clear-sighted, confident, and even joyful in being the bad guy. But that's counter, that's so powerful, isn't it? I want to be a proud bad guy. <laughs> if bad guy is if a bad guy is claiming Christ as my savior and as my lord, I'll take it. And if that's a bad guy, make me the best this what he's saying here. Lord, make me the best bad guy I can be. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the number 1 bad guy, <laughs> maybe that's that's what I would proudfully accept being the best bad guy I can be. I'll yeah. take the award for being yeah. the best guy, bad guy. Folks, yeah. to be the best bad guy, we have got to lay down whatever it is that's keeping us from experiencing the fullness of who he wants to become in us. And you know what? I know, I, I know guys, I deal with enough, and Ken, you as well, we deal with enough people who are really, really suffering, who really want to, to grasp the gold ring, but just feel it's just beyond their reach. What would you say to them, Ken? I mean, it's just, they want to reach it. It's just beyond their reach. It, it what, really what is have, not. It is not. It, it, it's not beyond anyone's reach. I mean, that, that's to, in effect, say that uh, Jesus is beyond our reach, and that, that's not true. Jesus is here. He's yeah. here in this room, Steve, with us now. He is never beyond reach. All he needs is an invitation. We yeah. just have to reach out and ask him to invade our space, if you will, to yeah. come in, yeah. take over. And he he's gladly able to do so. He's more than willing and able. He's just, you know, we, we have the ability to make choices in this life. Yeah. And if we choose not to invite him in, then then he will remain just out of reach, if you will. Yeah. But yeah. once we invite him in, he's there. He immediately, you know, he... He is omnipresent. He yeah. is everywhere, wow. always. And all it takes is that invitation. Yeah, and you know what's cool about what you're saying? You know, uh, he is there. He wants to be asked. But the cool thing is the scripture says, no greater love does one man have for another. He lay his life down for his friends. So not only is he willing, not only was he able, he did it. Exactly. I, I. What else can he do? He laid his life down. He died on a cross. He endured the the judgment that you and I right. He endured the judgment that sin 
brought on man. He endured that force. He exchanged himself. He became, you know, the scripture refers to him as a ransom. Think about, uh, I, I know that people understand what that means generally, but I want to just drive this home. You know, you think about a ransom note that we see in modern era with, uh, uh, particularly probably kidnapping, right? Or, or some other, uh, some other thing taken. Now in the United States, people take, uh, Americans, you know, and they do it for a ransom. They want big money to get the, the American back, uh, to give up the American. They want big money for it. Well, the ransom, what greater gift or what greater ransom is there than your life? And scripture tells us clearly that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He became the ransom. He became the bearer of our sin, all taken on the person of one, Jesus Christ. Wow. Mm. And and yet, Ken, like, like we've been saying here, and we'll, we'll, we'll get ready to wrap this up, this particular podcast, but it just hurts my heart. I mean, I'm, I, you can't see this audience, but I'm squinting my eyes, almost in pain to realize because I do so many coffees with so many men, so many guys are hurting. So many guys want, you know, to experience this kind of fullness, but they just, there is something holding them back. And it really is. I, I don't know why it, it, it is, but it is. They just can't let go. And yet, Unfortunately or fortunately, that is the key. You have to let go. You have to decide, I can't, I'm not doing this well on my own. It's sacrificial. But I think it's also, you know, the fact that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, it has a lot to do with fear. And, you know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. So here again, you know, the the solution to fear is to understand his love. And the only way to understand his love is to give ourselves to it, to allow allow ourselves to be invaded by it. Just like the light doesn't have fellowship with darkness. You know, one of the, one of the little things I I used to like to do in a men's ministry was to turn all the lights off in a room with a pretty powerful flashlight and show them that where the light is, there is no darkness. That edge is really crisp and clear, especially if there's some smoke in the room. Mm -hmm. You can see this very clearly defined line. Well, when you fill a glass, displace the air in a glass uh, with water, the air dissipates and it's filled then with water. Perfect love casts out all fear. When you pour love into someone's heart, fear can no longer exist. And to the degree that that individual allows the fear to exist, he's not allowing the inpouring, the infilling of God's love. Right. Good point. I don't know. There's so much that could be said about this, Ken, but you know, just to kind of wrap this up, um, persecution, we we need to realize that there is both righteous and unrighteous persecution from my perspective. The righteous persecution comes to the one who is walking in light of God's truth, and there is a reward okay. for that. That is the reward that we'll experience in eternal life. Persecution that is just needs to be dealt with through conviction. And um, if that's you, if that's me, Ken, or Steve, or, any, or Ken, anybody else, if, if you're being persecuted for hypocrisy, then receive that and, and walk in light of the truth through conviction. But i got to tell you, Ken, we, we've got to turn this around, and the world is not going to seek the answer that we have until we no. walk in a level where it's real to us. Yeah. But when we have divorce rates, when we, when we acquiesce to society's pressures, boy, we're not, there's no reward for that. Yeah. 
We I, have to stand tall and we have to stand firm. Having done, you know, in scripture it says it was a Philippians three fourteen or we're about twelve. Having done all, stand, stand. You know, I think that's where it says that. Um, the breastplate of righteousness. I might be quoting the wrong scripture. I, I may be referring to. Um, no, I think that's the right one, isn't it? Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet that's of salvation, sort of a, a, yeah. Yeah, the spirit. I may be mixing a couple of scriptures here, but you get the point. Um, having done all, stand. We're really called to stand. Uh, do you have any any yeah. final thoughts or comments, Ken? As we wrap this up, no, just just Steve. I think uh, you know. Let's try to follow Jesus' model and bear that badge of persecution for yeah. His namesake, wow. and and for that righteous persecution. Yes, let's let's try to strive for that. And mm. I, I don't think any greater ambition could be. I mean, let's try to model our lives in such a way that we bring on that righteous persecution. Yeah, wow. For sake of following him. Yeah, well, let me close this in prayer, and then we'll, we'll wrap for this particular podcast. Heavenly Father, we just are so thankful for what you did on the cross for us, Lord. You brought salvation to us, to our souls. Lord, we so badly needed it. Father, I just pray that for each one listening, that you help us to reconcile ourselves to you as only the cross can do. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring us conviction. Lord, if we're walking in a way that's not right before you, I pray that you cause us to be drawn to the light, Father, that we might receive forgiveness. Your word says that um, if we come and we ask for forgiveness, you are quick and faithful to forgive. So, Lord, we do ask for forgiveness for the things we've done that are not right before you. And we ask that you help us to walk uprightly before you, to write, to walk boldly, to write, to walk righteously, to walk with confidence as only you can bring to each one of us. Pray that you be with us, Lord, in this week coming. Uh, bless us and nourish us through your word. Call us to prayer. Call us to our knees. Call us to brokenness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, you guys, yeah. Great having this conversation today, Ken. Um, have a great week. We're continuing to pray for you. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care.